Welcome to the Gatecast. Presented by Alan and Mike. Lucy, I'm home. I am not Lucy. Oh, you're right. We'll just upload a computer virus into the mothership. I was going to do my living room like this. Well, sir, my recommendation is that anyone attempting to leave the mountain should be shot on sight. Hello, good evening, and a rather sad welcome to Gatecast episode 269, and hello, guest. Hello, all. Once again, Thomas, I'm back for the final episode of SG-1. Uh, if I recall, you put your name down for two years ago. Something about like that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we appreciate the employed support that we weren't going to implode horribly. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Although I suppose two years ago we'd been going, what, three years? How long have we been doing this? God. <laughs> you started in 2008. Uh, then you took a, a break. So <laughs> <laughs> you came along and decided to actually do pretty much everything. You want to get done otherwise. <laughs> Did you actually, I left that episode there, I assume when I saw it disappear from the Dropbox, you'd taken it down? Yeah, I pulled copies onto my drive. Yeah, I figured you would. If you don't know what we're talking about, Alan and Christina did a, a bonus episode of Saving Hope for us, which you'll be hearing this December. Oh, not June. Why would they do a bonus episode in June? Don't we break in June? Do we? Never have done before. Oh, okay. Is it weird that I want to win the lottery so I can continue living in my small student department in Finland? <laughs> Some would say your priorities are slightly off, but... I'm happy. So that matters then. Right then, as Thomas has mentioned, this is unending the series finale of Stargate SG-1. If you've got the DVD, there's a very nice featurette on the extras with Robert C. Cooper, well worth watching. You'll see most of the cast falling the little eyes out as the final scene is shot. Uh, and I believe... No, you know what, I'll say it when it happens. Okay. I did watch the uh, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe movie the other week. Oh, God, that's even bad by your standards. <laughs> no, it was being covered on a podcast, so I thought I'd watch it. I'd just watch it. Come on, that makes Sharknado look like high art. Oh, yeah. I mean, Dolph Lundgren isn't the greatest actor at any time, but he made Stallone and Schwarzenegger look like gods. <laughs> that's hard to do. That's how bad he was. Even the uh, I Have the Power, that was, even that sounded a bit forced. <laughs> Stand there. Pull your sword out, wave it in the air, and giant, I have the power. Yeah, that movie was a little... The only thing I recall is Skeletor looked truly terrible. What, bad makeup or good makeup? Bad makeup as in, like, awful rubber face mask when they really should have gone with, essentially, Ray Harryhouse turning in his grave. Thing came out a good ten years before, and it had much better non-computer effects. Very young Courtney Cox. That I don't recall, but I'm assuming... Did they drop the cat? Yes. Yeah, I'm trying to think how they could have... I mean, to be honest with you, about the only uh, worse adaptation live-action movie I've seen than that was Super Mario Brothers one. Do you remember that one? I've watched it. Bob Watkins won it. Yeah. The fact that you haven't watched it really sort of speaks to the quality. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have a quick question for you. Can you please give me the actual pronunciation of I guess you say the other name for Dublin, the actual, you know, native name. Oh. Ah. Eh. Uh. <laughs> oh, stumped like, him, no. That, that, no, 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 that's not actually a simple answer. 
because there's four major dialects that there is language. I happened to run across the name of it because I'm creating a D&D campaign for 5th edition D&D. Mm -hmm. And I saw the name of Dublin, the, I guess, Gaelic or Irish name, whatever you want to call it. The three-word name? Yes. Um, depends. People who have been taught Irish and who aren't dubs would just sound out each word, so it's Balya Ahaklia. Okay. For the individual words, it's Balya Ahaklia. The name Dublin comes from the Irish phrase Dublin, which literally translates as Black Lake, which refers to the uh, source of the Liffey because the waters at the time were quite dark. That's where you got Dublin from. You see, I thought it meant overpriced dagdo venue. I saw some footage, I think I might have posted a link to the article, some very confused stag and hen do's in Dublin on Good Friday. Oh. Ah, you know, you know. Don't you I can figure that out. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently a lot of your country people cannot. Well, someone posted a link to the Temple Bar camera and you see confused looking people trying the doors of several pubs. In case you didn't know, Thomas, it is illegal to sell alcohol technically in a unionised pub. Any pub with union staff cannot sell alcohol on two days of the year in Ireland. Good Friday and Christmas Day. Interesting. Which is why for quite a number of years, I was always out of the country on Easter. <laughs> I'm partaking of the loot crate this month. The what? theme is fantasy. Loot crate? Great idea, but if you want that over here, by the time you've had the chip in, it's <laughs> yeah. not exactly great value. Oh, is this like the sci-fi dig thing? It's a random box, like the loot crate's like 20 bucks a month, and it's a box about the size of a laptop that has sorted trinkets and stuff in it, sometimes shirts, sometimes little figurines, uh, things of that nature, and this month's theme is fantasy, said to include things from Princess Bride, Game of Thrones, and a few others. It's like Christmas once a month. Come Well, you tweeted, and so it ends. We record the final episode of SG1, yeah. ironically entitled Unending. 269, tweet your farewells to Jack and <laughs> Company. Tim Scarrett replied to my favourite fanship, Sam and Daniel. The rebellion cannot die. And Jennifer, okay, that's a sad tweet. I still don't want to say goodbye. We reply and say we're still going to be here. We have SGA and SGU to do. I think they got the idea. Come Okay, I've put together a small review, without spoilers, of the Stargate SG-1 novel written by Amy Griswold called Murder at the SGC. I'll admit that Stargate novels have never been high on my reading list, despite being a fan of the television shows. But I'm taking the time to support the ongoing releases and publisher and the authors who provide new Stargate content during this lean period for our favoured franchise. And this was the first novel I've read from Amy Griswold, but I've read a short story of hers called Consort, which was included in the Far Horizons anthology. In Murder at the SGC, it certainly felt like she got the characterisation of the 10th season Stargate Command pretty much spot on, and expanded on the elements and personnel that were never really a focal point in the TV series proper. It's been a criticism of some Stargate novels, and truth be told Star Trek novels, which I am more familiar with, that it can be tricky to get the same feeling for a character in print when viewed against a writer's and actor's collaboration on screen, but Amy did an excellent job. The main plot of the novel, involving the death of a civilian scientist on the base, I enjoyed as the murder mystery contained enough complexity and suspense to keep me guessing, without relying too much on the unexpected ha-ha moment, most loved by the period crime dramas on television and the movies. 
and the fact that Cameron seemed to delight in treating his investigation with the humorous Miss Marple slant underlined how Stargate as a whole was never shy to relate to the real world pop culture and its storytelling. Thankfully, the story did travel far and wide and not remain within the confines of Cheyenne Mountain, and that wasn't always the case with the TV series. But in novels, you can have interested parties living at the other end of the country or off-world and easily merge them into the narrative. And that certainly pays off big time, allowing our core characters to have action beats and express themselves more strongly. The secondary story, or B-plot, was mildly interesting and served its purpose to break the team up and allow them to come into play with the main mystery required it. But as the title of the novel confirms, this is all about the murder and by extension the search for a killer within the SGT. And in that it certainly delivers. In many ways, the aspect of the novel dealing with Merlin and the search for the Sangral may have worked better if I hadn't just watched the associated episodes. A little distance would, I believe, had improved my perception of the search and events off-world, with the discovery of those artefacts and their consequences. Overall, the novel is a credit to the series of books, which also Stargate TV series as inspiration, and continue the narrative beyond that from MGM and Sci-Fi. I picked up the novel as an e-book, and it will soon be out as a paperback, and for fans of the franchise, Strong argument is not really required to convince them to support the writers and publishers, and maybe prove to MGM that Stargate, and more importantly this part of the whole, remains alive within the global fan base. Novels kept Star Trek in the market, and that made a return. Who knows, we may one day see our Stargate back on the small screen, where it belongs, with adventures in space, and just as importantly on Earth, dealing with everyday events to keep the sci-fi show grounded, and overall more entertaining with substantial depth. Murder at the SEC, written by Amy Griswold, highly recommended. This is the Emperor. You're listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. Come grab a table, pull up a chair at the Sci-Fi Diner, where the food is always hot and your hosts are, well, out of this world. Sample some geeky trivia. You are listeners need to tell us what a Star Trek series did Tony Amador guest star in. Dine with celebrity guests. Hi, this is LeVar Burton from Roots, Star Trek Next Generation. This is Laurie Holden from The Walking Dead. And rub shoulders with the locals. This is Floyd of Aurora, Colorado. Hi, this is Rick from Montana. And get it to go with the Sci-Fi 5 and 5. Top 5 movies, one scene, cannot be unseen. All served up at SciFiDinerPodcast.com. Serving up science fiction from here to the end of the universe. As per usual, we are watching the Region 2 DVD copy of the episode. Runtime 41 minutes 48 seconds. We are looking at the black screen, 0000. zero, zero, zero. Everybody queued up? Yep. Thomas, did we lose you? No, nope, sorry, I was on mute. <laughs> <laughs> the deafening I'm silence mute. was slightly worrying. Just say, yep. <laughs> yep. See, we'll cut that bit out and it'll sound fantastic. Flawless. Okay, right. Thomas. English, French, Irish, German, Spanish. Uh, Irish. Take your poison. Yeah, stick to the traditional ones. Most people always pick Irish. I like to give the choice. You know, if there's one thing I know how to do in many, many languages, it's count. If you could do it in Mandarin, that'd be interesting, but I don't think it'd be any usefulness. I don't have the phonemes. What about Klingon? Ah, uh, I've never heard Klingons count to finish. <laughs> oh, by the way, I might include a few snippets of audio from the DVD commentary. You'll recognise them because they don't sound like us. Or they sound like a man tapping. That's probably more of a giveaway. Go on, do Irish and we can be done with it. Alright, slightly extended Irish. Ivra 3, Ivra Do, Ivra Hain. Clicky. Ooh, space. Yep, the Odyssey. 
Is this one way blown up yet? Yeah. The original one was destroyed, right? No, Daedalus is still running between... As Pegasus. Yeah. The Prometheus was destroyed, though. I mean, this scene is important throughout the episode. This is one of the activities where we see Cameron improving over time. Currently getting his arse kicked. Well, he said it was something important. You're not the least bit curious? Indeed. But I would not risk a wager. Well, the corridor lighting isn't much to shout about, is it? Huh? <laughs> Miserable, Daniel. <laughs> oh, and a fake palm tree as well. I'm sure that the US Air Force don't approve... <laughs> it's Vala. Yes, it's true. Yeah. She keeps lots of useful stuff in her baggage. I think there was a hairdryer at one point. Yep, there was. Glass cutting stuff, all sorts. You never know when you need something like that. <laughs> being stuck on this ship is worse than being stuck at the SGC. I, I, I tell you, the last time I was this board, I took hostages. I was there. From the commentary. When you wrote this, did you figure it was the last episode? Well, I knew it was the last episode. We had been cancelled. Drop us out. Landry. Oh, Landry off-world. This is unprecedented. I'm not quite sure I like the bridge of the Odyssey. It looks more corporate than uh, the Daedalus. Too open? Yeah, well, yeah. maybe they have to get corporate sponsors to pay for it. Thor. Hello, Thor. Greetings, and welcome to Orilla. Thor. Hello, Colonel Carter. It is good to see you. Out of curiosity, how can you tell the difference? The voice. Marcus. <laughs> Sorry. Does that mean Daniel gets paid? <laughs> yes, he does. Supplying the voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, obviously, he knows. That was my, when I saw the word the voice popped up on the subtitles. Sorry to come across you with that laugh. You see, if I watched this beforehand, you wouldn't get that spontaneity. The High Council wishes to meet with you to explain in greater detail, but there is not much time. To be honest, I think Janks has changed the voice of Thor over the years. It doesn't sound like mm -hmm. traditional Thor as we first met him. Mm, it's yeah. possible the post-production have changed the distorter. I got ray guns in the pool. What is it you're planning on giving us? Everything we have and know. By that you mean... Everything. All our most current technology. All our knowledge. Oh, nice of you. Everything? <laughs> Everything. Okay, what's going on? <laughs> Why are you doing this? You've always resisted in the past. You always said we weren't ready. Indeed. Many Asgard still believe that. So what's changed? As a race, we are dying. Very soon, we will all be gone. Oh dear. That's not good. No. Again, practical puppet for Thor. Is Landry a two-word general then? Must be. There was a point back there where Cameron was holding off Teok, and I'm thinking, Teok's arms are roughly the size of Cameron's thighs. There is no <laughs> way he'd have the raw strength to do that. Okay then, unending. Stargate SG-1, Season 10, Episode 20, Series Finale. Gatecast, Episode 269. This was written and directed by Robert C. Cooper. At its world premiere in the UK, March the 13th, 2007. In Belgium, June the 17th. Canada, June the 21st. The Americans got it June the 22nd. In Germany, September the 26th. Sweden, November the 28th. And our friends in Japan, March the 3rd, 2008. Absolutely no other episodes called Unending in the TV universe. Wow. Yep. In France, this episode was called The Time of a Life. In the Czech Republic, without end. And in Germany, endlessness. Which is probably how uh, Vala feels about the ship. <laughs> yeah. And we are back. Lots of Asgard running about the ship. I imagine they were CGI'd in. Whereas uh, Puppet Thor here. 
All five puppeteers working him. However, when the upgrades are complete, the core will be fully integrated into all the ship's systems. There must be something more you can do. I assure you. We do not make espresso machines. As well as a knowledge base including our entire recorded history. It's not what I was talking about. Everything that can be done, has been done. They said in the commentary they did get a bit of flack for killing off the Asgard and they were rather surprised because at the end of the day, it's a puppet. <laughs> mm. But it's the race we've come to love. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Robert E. Cooper, you know, he wrote the fifth race and int- really introduced him. And they set the standard right there and then. Mm-hmm. Well worth listening to the commentary for this episode. Robert E. Cooper, Jim Menard and Amanda Tapping. Oh. And they wanted us to witness the event. So everything they've installed on this ship... It's going to be their legacy. Yeah, so don't blow it up. They're in another galaxy now. What other beings are in their galaxy? We've never actually explored that. No, there's enough... It's enough life in the Milky Way. And, and Pegasus without bothering with Ida. I have been working on this for the better part of a year, Colonel Carter. And we appreciate it, really. It's a pity they didn't actually tell us to bring another ship, you know, that we could actually... Fit more stuff on. Yeah, mm. I mean, the Odyssey is a frontline warship. It can't really go anywhere if it's got that sort of technology on board. It's too precious to lose. You really want to dry dock it in a planet somewhere to make use of it. Yeah, it's their precious. Let's outfit the Daedalus and the Odyssey. You have earned my respect and my friendship. I wonder the Asgard says, we'll give it to the Americans. (laughs) (laughs) The end of my people has been a long time coming. We have made too many irreversible mistakes in our development. Hopefully you can learn something from it. My only regret is that our physical weakness has left us incapable of helping you further. See, he's always thinking of us. That's it. Hug the puppet. Yeah. Red alert. Sir, three Ori motherships just dropped out of hyperspace and are approaching the planet. Oh, dear. So is Ida that close to the Milky Way for the Ori to pop over? I don't think we get the idea how long it took them to... They just squeezed time a lot, didn't they? Or is it 18 days between Pegasus and the Milky Way? Yeah. The idea is Ida is probably closer. Sir, the Asgard just disembarked. It'll take a few minutes to get the hyperdrive back online. Full sublight. Get us clear of the planet. Full sublight. They just disembarked. They buggered off. That's what they did. (laughs) Well, they've got an appointment to meet, you know. Blowing up your planet is on a seriously fixed timetable. Shields are down to 83%. How the hell did they find us? They must have done some serious mm-hmm. upgrades to the shields if even a glancing blow doesn't disintegrate them instantly. Yeah, Asgard are literally the best technology in the galaxy at the moment. Everyone hold on tight. He's gonna blow. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that must have been one hell of a red button. <laughs> he doesn't look like he's holding on particularly tight. That looked a lot like wow. the Death Star blowing up. It looked better than the Death Star. <laughs> Shields are down to 50%. Colonel. Sir, the hyperdrive is now online, but we have to get clear of the radiation caused by the explosion before we can make the jump safely. Of course we do. Damn. <laughs> you would have thought the shields would have actually protected you. Yeah. That would really be a good time. Shields are down to 28%. The maximum sublight for 47 seconds to get clear. 28%. Stop giving us this bad news, Mark. Come about. Oh, that's a spirit. Let's not run. Let's shoot. Weapons on maximum. Let's go. It's me. <laughs> the Odyssey is a lot more maneuverable than the Ori ships. Yeah. Yeah, because the Ori ships are built to look, you know, compensate for something. 
And you think the Odyssey could just, you know, run circles around it and never get hit. Keep firing! Boom! They blew one up! That's a win. It is, isn't it? It's amazing though, their depleted shields aren't affected by the energy caused by the explosion from the ship they just blew up. Mm-hmm. Get us into hyperspace. Yes, sir. Realistically, if you blow something up and then fly through the explosion, your ship is going to take damage. I gotta assume the other two RO ships were caught in the planetary explosion, since they only blew one up. And that guy that came off the lift, he was another contest winner. It seemed every episode in season 10 had a contest winner in. Uh-oh. I'm working on it, sir, but something else has come up. Hmm. The hyperdrive diagnostic is spitting out some data that's concerning me. We took some damage that's causing a problem? I think we need to drop out and run a few tests, just to be sure. That's never a good idea. The Odyssey just looks a bigger ship than the Daedalus. That, and it's got more people walking about the place. Two contacts just appeared on sensors. Motherships. All right, closing fast. And wait for it to be taken offline. What? <laughs> Surprise. Really? <laughs> Hell. Colonel, given we've already taken damage, I'd rather not take on two more ships. Good question. They're not shooting. It's a bit of a weakness in technology that you can't track people through hyperspace. You'd have thought that... Maybe they already can. Well, they never have done before. This is not a good idea. Back in we go. Just went firing at you. There's no shame in running. Well, unless they were tracking us and just waiting for us to drop out. I thought they couldn't track us in hyperspace. Unless it was the Ori themselves tipping off the priors. We've already passed back into the Milky Way. Got back to the Milky Way pretty darn mm. fast. Well, they've been seriously upgraded. As far as we know. At least we now have weapons we know will destroy an Ori ship. Well, that's not going to do us any good if they can track us wherever we go. But eventually, the Odyssey's going to come up against more than she can handle. Is it possible the priors can detect the new technology given to us by the Asgard without the help of the Ori? Ah, there we go, Tilt. Mm. You're carrying something different. Information at the speed of plot? Yep. Well, I'm not going to criticise Tilt for that, because he was the first one to come up with the idea. True. Instead of assuming that the Ori have made a magical breakthrough and been able to detect ships in hyperspace, the very fact you're carrying something that is totally unique. Yeah, taking time is not a good idea. No. That's a big star field, isn't it? Sir, two contacts just appeared on sensors. Son of a bitch. Oh, for God's oh, yeah. sake. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much my reaction. Even the Cylons gave him 33 minutes. That was a good episode. That really <laughs> established tension right off the bat. Took out one ship, what's another two, right? I would have been doing evasive maneuvers from the very get-go. Colonel, I need to hyperdrive now. Go ahead, sir. Hyperdrive's online. After the first time you got off prized. This isn't going to go well. That's it. Keep running. They're awful shots at times. They really are. Their shots are as accurate. Well, they're fanatics, you know. They're not max people. I'm pretty sure that the control systems of the starships don't really rely on the expertise of the people pressing the buttons. No. I mean, it's like when the Russians came up with their surface air missiles. Basically, a cross. Put the cross over the target and press the button. That's all you had to do. Yeah, just point and click. That's what someone said. Smith and West in the original point and click interface. And what? Beam to the surface and gate home. We can't let the ship fall into enemy hands. That's what the self-destruct is for. Whoa, wait a minute, sir. If you're talking about destroying the ship, uh, we can't sacrifice the knowledge base of the Asgard. They trusted us with their legacy. Dr. Jackson, this is not something I'm considering lightly. Yeah, I'm with Daniel on this one. Let's not get rid of the knowledge. <laughs> it's not just Stargate. It's a lot of science fiction shows where they get a magnificent ship or a magnificent piece of technology and it lasts an episode. 
mean, how many motherships did we crash and destroy in the first couple seasons? <laughs> I've said it before, I am for fighting to the death, but we need a plan, preferably one that avoids the to the death part. We have an hour to come up with one. I think I may have a way of buying us a little more time. Very definite difference of opinion in this group at the moment. Mm. Light bulb. Yep. Strangely enough, the Ori gave him a lot of time to beam everybody down. Unlike last time. And what if the Ori just fired on the planet? <laughs> Here they come. Shields at maximum. Evasive maneuvers. Concentrate fire on only one target, one at a time. You think we ought to be ready to do evasive maneuvers? Okay, that was not good. Shields are down to 23%. We're hitting them with everything we've got. So, maximum power to the shields. Only 23% now. Keep firing. Yeah, that's it. You get an impression of how much bigger the Ori ship is there. Mm-hmm. We know how much bigger it is. We've seen the Super Stargate. And we know the Daedalus isn't a small ship. Yeah. Nice to see that some things remain constant. Consoles explode. Steam. Sparks. Flames. <laughs> the flames. <laughs> One more hit will take us out. Colonel Carter! Do your stuff. Here it comes. The hell? Yep. Freeze frame? Rob C. Cooper said he loved this shot. Mm. Strangely enough, we've seen this device used against replicators. Mm-hmm. Asgard technology, but used for a slightly different purpose. Instead of being outside of the time field, mm. they're inside. Thanks to Asgard technology, we are in a time dilation bubble. While time may appear to be passing at a normal rate for us, in fact, years will pass inside the bubble while mere fractions of a second pass outside the field. Yeah, remember that, Samantha. Hopefully not. My plan is to try to make the necessary modifications to the Odyssey so we can take it out of phase. Then, when we shut down the time dilation field, the blast won't hit us. That would be good. You're probably wondering why I didn't just do that in the first place. I'm still back on the time thing. Yes. <laughs> so it, it was an option in the menu then, wasn't it? <laughs> that makes life so much easier. No wonder the Asgard, you know, kick ass throughout the galaxy. Yeah, I'll fix this in no time. <laughs> See, Hulk actually looked jocked there. Well, he didn't bring his copy of Star Wars, so... <laughs> I like fellow's expression. But we have enough food and water for three months. Three months? We can ration supplies. I'm gonna go crazy and I'm taking you with me <laughs> whoa <laughs> oh well longer than three months Cameron's been a real downer so far oh I'd love to read reports written by Vala <laughs> <laughs> there was pretty Chinese that's it this was a conscious decision to make the ship look as big and as empty as possible also made the decision to as the episodes go on Shoot it a little darker every time. Mm-hmm. Cameron's looking more buff than he was at the start of the episode. And of course, it's just dark. Mm-hmm. And he looks more like a projection. Yep, I think Cameron's going to be doing a lot of jogging over the next few months and years. And Daniel, he's got his own personal library full of Asgard knowledge. That actually does look pretty good special effect. 
Yeah, that looks like a long corridor. And obviously they yeah. cut away there because you'd run out you'd run into something. <laughs> Do you think the Ori warriors could have found a way to get through the time dilation field and over here onto the ship? No. Ooh. Are you hearing things? I am trying not to. I'm guessing that's a refrigerated unit they're in right now. Yeah, the pineapple. Strangely enough, Will Wearing signature as a director, but he wasn't the director of this. Well, homage to all the previous directors, since it is the last episode. I'm already feeling sorry for Tilk. Before I tried to build Merlin's out-of-phase technology, I decided to run a simulation. Yeah, good idea, that. Are you saying it took two weeks to figure out this idea wouldn't work? And that is footage taken of the Korolev being destroyed. <laughs> I can't seem to take the ship out of phase before I shut down the field. Now, once we deactivate the time dilation field, we have 0.86 seconds before the blast hits us. Bo doesn't look comfortable on that, Jay. He probably spent his budget on his uh, red leather piece in his office. Mm -hmm. If we beam ourselves into the buffer, ready to transport down to the planet, and set the time dilation field to deactivate on a timer, the matter stream still doesn't have enough time to fully exit the buffer and get clear of the explosion. Amanda in the commentary was praised about her expertise in delivering all the technobabble and actually making it sound as if she knew what she was talking about. It won't work. The computer's wrong. Both of the last two scenarios don't preserve the ship or the Asgard knowledge. I know. Okay, it's only been a couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> only. The Asgard have provided us with some truly amazing technology. Just nothing to get us out of this mess. I don't know that yet. However, with only a slight modification to the beaming technology, we have a matter converter that will literally allow us to manufacture food, water, oxygen, pretty much anything we need. Except a way off this ship. You've made your point, sir. Well, that's handy. Yep. And essential, given what's going to happen. So we have a fully working replicator. Yes, we have. How very Star Trek. You can do it, Samantha. No pressure at all. This is a rather serene shot. Yeah. Replicated nice little purple nighty for herself. <laughs> Go with the sheets. Hello. Hi. Oh. <laughs> oh, damn you. <laughs> Take your hands out. That's it, lad. <laughs> Back in. Not impressed. Here we see the two boys fighting again. This time Cameron's a little more aggressive and skilled. Well, he had all that training from the Suldan, so... Yeah. Mm. He's got a big burn on his arm. Huh. She wanted a violin. Did she? <laughs> a little bit bigger. Got the scale wrong. <laughs> what is Daniel doing? That's the Asgard knowledge base. The entire depository of all Asgard lore and legend and stories. My brain would hurt. We're no different. Sequenced DNA, cured diseases, and one fatal mistake, and they doom their entire race. I guess no matter what you do, at the end of the day, life is too short. I agree. This whole scene took uh, about six hours to shoot. Rehearsed a lot of it. The original script wasn't the same. This was a lot of... Improv? Yep. What are you doing? Something we should have done a long time ago. Oh, she's off again. Don't do that. <laughs> Why not? Damn. Lots of ideas from Claudia and Michael as to how to shoot it. 
We've been here three months, Daniel. Three months? He's playing very hard to get. You do like girls? Yes. Well, I don't see many other options around here, do you? Considering it mere seconds after losing previous lovers, he was buying everything in the gate network. He seems remarkably uh, unwilling. No? No, seriously, you started this. Do you want an honest answer to the question? No, don't worry about it. Do you believe I could have any kind of serious feelings for you? There's a lot going on in the scene above what's said. I mean, Daniel likes Vala. I think we know that, but he doesn't trust her. Mm-hmm. Isn't after all this time? I think that's important to Daniel. I think it's just he's got more on his mind than let's shag it and go on, really. Come on! I mean, I can't even imagine what a, what a relationship with you would be like. I mean, yes, yes, you've proven yourself to be trustworthy on a professional level, and for that I am very proud of you, but on a, on a personal level? Vala, come on, give me a break! Well, you're probably right. Daniel is probably open to a more serious relationship. He just doesn't think Vala will give him that. You know, the fact that she turns up at his door with pink handcuffs. Mm. I mean, the idea of being hurt that way again. But I finally got to the place. I finally, for the first time in a long time, I've gotten to the place where I actually feel I could get close to somebody again. But not in a million years, a million, million years, would I ever possibly consider that person being you. Here, you, you're I thinking, mean, what a so bastard. Completely opposite and wrong for each other it's not even funny and the worst part the worst part about that is you know that <laughs> almost <laughs> like he's rubbing his own nipples <laughs> so I'm so sorry if I'm not more appreciative of that and I'm so sorry that you're bored but don't you pretend it's anything else that is ridiculously insulting yes I think it was an episode after she was shot you were shagging someone don't act like you're hurt that's yeah. one up from if you're the last woman on earth that at least got some comedic element to it it is a very good scene great delivery great dialogue he thinks she's just after a bit of fun a lot deeper for Valor and I don't think she knows how to express that no just give me a minute maybe with Poman look at me except he were trying to kill everything in the galaxy yeah which is a bit of a torn off don't try and be tender now. Well, he's surprised, isn't he? Yeah. He's gone through all this. She isn't being flippant. She isn't storming off. She's... Really hurt. Heartbroken, yeah. Oh, dear. And for the first time, he actually sees it. That she's a real person. Right. <laughs> Does he want to check her now? I think he might be interested now. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean... Sorry, but how rape culture is that? You know, emotionally abuse a woman and then have sex with her? That's not a healthy relationship. <laughs> yep. She looks satisfied. <laughs> yes, Cameron. <laughs> Cameron's frustrated. <laughs> the general's got his what? plant, yeah. his weed. It's a bonsai. I don't think so. He's trying to make it one. It's like ryegrass or something. Whatever was in the pantry at the time that he could grow. <laughs> matter converted oxygen just isn't the same. Oh, why is the grand irony of this lost on everyone but me? It's not. Sir, at this point, we know it's the damn Asgard upgrades that allows the Ori to track us. 
So even if we manage to save the ship, we won't be able to use the technology because the Ori will come down on us like a bag of hammers. For now. Uh, that looks more like Bonsai. Hmm. It's an interesting choice with Cameron, you know. He wasn't happy with the Asgard technology, he was happy to dump it and run, and now he's just moan, moan, moan. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, we've already had it 200 times. Yeah, if you imagine if you could finally get rid of the Ori and you still have that Asgard technology sitting in a warehouse somewhere. Has that gotten closer? Yes, it does. Little bit by little bit. Time is moving. They're on the clock regardless. I want to help you. Well, I do have this itch. I just can't scratch. Huh? Given that, you know, they haven't gone big on guest stars for this episode, basically the regular cast, they have put some serious money into the CGI effects. Hmm. What is that thing? Ah, oh, it's a cello. I've always wanted to learn how to play. Is it possible to use the time dilation technology to solve our problem? How? Well, obviously... If it... <laughs> Yeah, don't lean too much. Obviously, it'd be great if we could go back in time and not get into the situation in the first place. Yeah, invent time travel. That's a good idea for another show. <laughs> field is is not even close to the same thing as reversing time altogether. Hmm. It is a good thought. It's a good thought. This is good. See, what we need is we need Superman to fly around the ship really, really fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it did make sense in the movie. Not going to make sense here. Yeah. Trapped on a spaceship stuck in a time dilation field. Through mm. mm. that. It's good that they're still eating together, though. And easy mm-hmm. for them to break up into their own rooms and not keep the community. Now, that's a kind of. Was that a Sherlock Holmes moment with the cello? No, he played the violin. Yeah, but you know. What I mean. garden. Where did you get the. Matter converter. They've got a replicator. Anything they want. And basically, Rob Z. Cooper told him, just sit together, joke about anything. And in that scene with Ben Bryder were told him a pretty dirty joke, which I wouldn't repeat on the commentary. <laughs> yep, the Tritonin joke. Can they replicate that? Apparently. Yeah, that's what replicator does, anything. Real China. Even lights with cabling. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Creedence Clearwater Revival. Have you ever seen The Rain from the uh, album Pendulum, 1971? First piece of music chosen for the montage. This is not flying, this is literally standing still. This is the love boat without the buffet and the band. Besides, I only like flying so much because I didn't know about the Stargate. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting scene this is. I don't know what the background on this scene is exactly. Yeah. Did they break up? What jumps to mind is a miscarriage. That's what jumped to my mind as well. Yeah. And here goes Cameron. Yeah. Cameron finally breaks. Although there are plenty of other quarters to have after he's wrecked this one. Mm hmm. <laughs> don't break out the window. Yeah, that might have been. Oops. It's funny affecting him more than anybody else. Yeah, that looks very thin for something holding in an entire atmosphere of pressure. i got to assume it's not glass. I also have to assume, due to the reflectivity, 
of the thing that there isn't actually anything in the window. Mm. Didn't you say that to me before? They tried putting glass in, you can see the cameras and the lights and stuff, so they had to take it out. They have CGI a glass effect into windows before. Mm. Yeah, Landry's looking a good deal older here. Yeah. Oh, dear. <laughs> yep, there we go. Why? A lot older now. Yeah. Uh, okay. <coughs> Rob was very pleased with the makeup effects, the middle-aged years for the crew, which you're going to be seeing now. He wasn't very happy with the old-age ones, but unfortunately, first time he'd seen them was when they were on set. So they had to actually change the script to uh, increase the amount of time they'd been on the ship. I still think life is too short. Sam's gotten quite good as fellow. They had a cellist on set to do this. <laughs> I'm surprised Amanda didn't learn to play the piece. I don't think it's that quick. Well, she strikes me as someone who would at least try. No, it's not sounding good for Landry at all. He, he did smoke the cigars, you know? Yeah. Even though they've got replicators, they haven't got the technology to actually dream up something out of nothing, you know, they'd need the formulas for drugs and whatnot. They may have in the database, but I'm not quite sure. I mean, Sam, Sam looks brilliant here. That looked good makeup. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She looks a little bit thinner, mottled skin. Daniel, they've added weight to him a bit. Mm-hmm. I would at least brush the hair a little bit. Nobody seems to be losing the hair, which yeah. is always a bonus. Mm-hmm. Why do you do it? Knowing everything you learn is going to die with you. I know you guys all think I'm crazy, but the truth is, if I stop, I'll go crazy. Besides, you haven't given up. Yes, I have. Well, that's interesting. I suppose even Samantha, after a point, just gives up, lives her life, stop hoping and wishing for a better future. Stop it. I can't, I'm sorry. That wasn't your fault. We all would have died long ago if you hadn't done what you did. Looks like Landry's on the way out, surrounded by his plant. Then I'm sure there's a little pollen floating around. If nothing else, he can be congratulated for his green thumb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I imagine oxygen being created by the plants probably has a slightly different flavour to the recyclers. Yeah, that's what Landry said earlier. Probably does, you know, eventually you recycle in the same air for 30, 40, 50 years. Mm-hmm. Air is air, it's molecular, you know, that's going to make a difference. Oh, Tilt, surprising the perspective meant you couldn't see him. You wouldn't have thought Amanda would be able to block out Tilt. <laughs> My guess is when Tilt hugs you, you've been hugged. Of course, Tilt still looks the same. Holding hands as well. Amanda and Chris decided to try to put in some very subtle idea that they were involved, although nothing was put in the script. And now, <laughs> Cameron, I like that. They've probably just put a bigger uniform on him, but it mm. makes him look a lot thinner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The word we're looking for there is the meaty. Nah, I would probably just get some clippers and just buzz cut me here. It's so much easier. Mm-hmm. Because none of them look like they're using conditioner at all. No. <laughs> no harder hair products anymore. Nope. Mm-hmm. 
But there is blue jello. There is always blue jello. You said that yesterday. I did. And the day before. And the day before that. <laughs> he's, he's going to now. Sorry. I'll just shut up now. I'm impressed that Daniel looks like he's got a big piece of steak on his plate as well. I gotta wonder, is this a Stargate thing that when the colonel in charge gets old, he develops a deep south accent? Because the same thing happened to Jack in season three. I figured out how to reverse time in a localized field. Valor uh, doesn't look too good. You can see what I mean about the makeup. It it's so difficult to get good old age makeup on people. Okay, how cool is it that Tilk has got a tea bag? Maintaining the time dilation field for all this time has almost completely depleted the ZPM and the power source in the Asgard core. We don't have enough power to make it work. Hmm. Here's irony for you, huh? Oh, you sure? Yeah. She's taking the piss just to keep things entertaining. Now, curious thought. We have a replicator. Do we not replicate a fully functional ZPM? <laughs> you can't create energy from nothing. Yeah, the ZPM doesn't create energy. It taps into another universe to generate that energy. I suppose they don't have the plans for it. Maybe the Asgard and the Ancients didn't share everything. Well, surely they could scan the one that's in the ship and figure out the blueprints from the scan. They've got Asgard technology, after all. Maybe they'd have to take it out of its case, and then mm. it'd switch off. <laughs> and they'd blow up. Yeah. We don't have anything even close to a power source that would be required to keep a reverse time field working for long enough. Really? <laughs> Bing! The light bulb! Oh. <laughs> Come with me. Nobody ever does this as well as Gregory House. The sudden realization thing? Yes. <laughs> I'm still, uh, your comment earlier when we were off air about the fact that uh, the producers of House did not realize that Hugh was English until he came to the show for the second audition because they auditioned on tape with the accent and they didn't know he was English. There's no way to absorb the blast and channel the energy into the Asgard core. Unless... Unless we reroute the power conduits throughout the ship into the core and let the blast hit us. The ship will explode. Yes. Come on, Cameron, at this point, what have you got to lose? Yeah. Yes, it is a shot. It's a large shot, which is coming <laughs> to blow us up. I bet Christopher was delighted he didn't have to spend two hours in the makeup every day. We'll only be dead for a few milliseconds. Then time within the bubble will reverse and we won't be dead and the ship won't be destroyed. If this works. <laughs> a whole minute. Wow. Now we're getting to that paradox. Till I think, has already figured out what's going on. Mm-hmm. He's been around Samantha enough. He could literally have been around for decades, working with her, helping her. Well, he was, what, only like maybe 70 in originally, and now he's 30, 40 years to that? Yeah. I think they actually gave his age after all this on Wiki. He actually ends up being older than Breta. Looks like a lot better, though. He eventually ends up being 158. One of us is going to have to stay old. Oh. Hmm. We're talking about reversing time within the field. Everything. Our age, our memories, will be undone. If this works, we'll be doomed to repeat history. Unless we can exclude someone from the field who can steer events in another direction. That's assuming you're telling the truth, Sam. This isn't some nefarious plot to get you home and strand the rest of them in intergalactic space. Can we trust Samantha Carter? That's the question. We have to sever the Asgard core from the hyperdrive controls, or else the Ori will be able to follow us when we make the jump into hyperspace. A long time ago... In a galaxy far, 
far away. Shut down the core and make the jump into hyperspace. Which ain't like dusting crops, boy. But it makes sense that it be me. Oh, I will do it. I like the way they turn around very slowly. <laughs> All or nothing. <laughs> Cheer up, Cameron. Please, smile. Crack a smile. Go on. Can you smile in all that makeup? Funnily enough, Valor at this moment looks a lot like a certain Erin Sonnen in an episode of Foxcape. <laughs> mm-hmm. I remember the one. Yeah. Well, when you artificially age someone, you artificially age someone, they tend to look the same. <laughs> Who's to say that the makeup guys in Stargate just didn't look at Farscape and go, we just <laughs> yeah, copy that. <laughs> that seemed to work okay, fair enough. I want you to know, <laughs> even if you are going to forget, that I wasn't with you all these years because we were trapped on this god-awful ship. <laughs> I was with you because... I know. Old folks in love. A touching moment between Daniel and Valor after spending the last, well, three or four decades together. I'm ready. Do it, Sam. Here we go. His own personal shield. Oh, she's thinking, my hips hurt. Where's my Zimmer frame? There she goes. And boom. New effect with Corlys, thought so. New effect. Wasn't that effect in the intro sequence? Don't think so. And time reverses. Tilt, the constant, very lost. (laughs) And here we are, back before everything froze. And the bridge of the Odyssey. Shields are offline! One more hit will take us out! Colonel Carter! But no, Dilk to put out the fire. No, because he's in engineering. Mm-hmm. They made a point of actually showing Tilk on the bridge, so you'd remember the fact that he wasn't there this time. And they run again. Actually, quite anticlimactic. Mm-hmm. But you do get this now. <laughs> they know something's happened. Oh, come on, it's driving me insane. You know... Technically, there would be no danger of creating a time paradox because we've already changed future events. You would not be altering the future by telling us about something that's not going to happen anymore. Then why do you care? Now, does this mean that Tilk actually told him the basics of what had happened? Couldn't he have just kept quiet? Obviously, I hooked up with someone. Well, you wouldn't be Valor otherwise. Was it you, Muscles? Oh, Muscles. Love it. It's the only effect of the extra, like... 40 years, that stripe of grey in Tilk's hair. And just on one side. Which really annoyed Rob C. Cooper in a shot later on. Can't see the stripe. Dial it up, Walter. Yes, sir. And may I say, this is a beautiful shot of the gate. Chevron 1 encoded. That is how we're supposed to travel light years across the galaxy to other planets. I'm sure he had to explain out why he has gray hair now and why he was down there. Ridge. Yeah, because he does look older. Mm-hmm. I imagine I went a bit crazy cooped up on that ship for so long. Chevron 3 encoded. The full sequence. Been a long time since we've had Walter go through every Chevron lock-in. Well, it's uh, closing to the series. 
Mm. Yeah, they made a conscious decision. This had to be in the last episode. Better late than never. Look before you leap. The best things in life are free. Let me guess. Beauty is only skin deep. Silence is golden. Have a five encoded. Jack of all trades, master of none. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. Life is too short. This is where you cannot see the Pepe Le Pew streak in his ear. Chevron six encoded. Good things come to those who wait. Nice one, Tilt. You know, as hard as it is for us not knowing, it must be torture for you not to tell us. Come on. Go on, Tilt. Indeed. Yes, there you go. <laughs> tell me that wasn't a conscious choice. Of course it was. Chevron 7 is locked. <laughs> and it was this scene where Christopher, more than anybody else, was breaking down. Check out the DVD from behind the scenes. Just another everyday mission to save the galaxy, sir. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Ooh. <laughs> I like the little ornament Valor's got in her ear. Godspeed. A lot of the staff and the crew returned to the set to watch these final scenes being filmed. Finished at 2am in the morning. Got the champagne out, had a bit of a party. Chris, Amanda, Michael all went up to the briefing room and looked down on the Stargate for the final time as well. I bet they couldn't get RDA in for the last episode. It may have been a bit too forced. Yeah. The one thing is, we didn't need him. That episode didn't need Jack O'Neill. The Chevron 7 is locked it was my text message alert for about six months that I deliberately ripped it from this episode. And that was Unending Series Finale. We made it. Now you could cut in with a short bit from Shania Twain, still the one. Why? Looks like we made it. Look how far we've come now. <laughs> I was thinking of the Enterprise theme. <laughs> oh, God, no, that's terrible. Oh, <laughs> All right, then. Robert C. Cooper, writer and director of this episode. He directed two episodes of SG-1, three of Stargate Atlantis and three of Stargate Universe, as well as the upcoming Arc of Truth. He wrote 37 episodes of SG-1, five of Atlantis and six of Universe, as well as the Arc of Truth. This was the one season where they didn't think they would get cancelled. A number of the actors already had signed contracts for an 11th season if they decided to do it. And the Ark of Truth was basically the two-hour season 11 cut. That was going to be the season 11 story arc, the final defeat of the Ori and the Orisai. So we have got something to look forward to. It it is fortunate that MGM did give us two movies. It would have been very disappointing if that was the end of SG-1. I'm so hoping that they decide to come up with a SGA wrap-up movie. Yeah, the end of SGA felt a bit abrupt. Mm-hmm. Because it was. <laughs> they didn't get the warning that season five was going to be the final season. If you give the writers and the producers fair warning, they can come up with something that will satisfy the fans. If you don't... I still think they could continue with SGU because the ensemble nature of the show means, given the way it wraps, they could just explain away the absence of certain actors mm-hmm. and just bring in others. But you'd still need some of them. Some of them, but not necessarily. Uh, uh, the only one that's really required, in fact, the only one I'd like to see is David Blue. Because I'm not honestly sure he's done anything since. He's done some guest spots, but he hasn't had a regular series. I hope you've enjoyed this journey through Stargate SG-1. 
it took us a while. Took us a bit. Well, especially when we, on the basis of a tied poll and me sort of pouting and stamping my foot, we elected to do the alternate. Otherwise, we'd have finished this year ago. Been fun though. It has been. If nothing else, I've watched SG One again. <laughs> yes, <laughs> all of it. Well, that's it. Ten seasons is a bit daunting for a rewatch. <laughs> if you do them roughly one episode a week, yeah, spread it over a few years. We, 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 you do it over about five bloody years. <laughs> Maybe a while. Actually, well, realistically, in terms of regular weekly recordings, we've been going at least six because it's 2015 now. Allowing for the gap, I think we started about halfway through online. Jack, Daniel, are you you? Yeah, you. What? I like the yellow ones. Never mind. We got no direct feedback from last week's show but plenty of retweets and mentions over on Twitter, so thanks to everyone for that. And when I mentioned I was editing the season 10 finale, we did get a couple of tweets that are worth recounting. Annie said, please show me a way to look at this episode and not loathe it. In my opinion, it's one of the worst, if not the worst. Help me not hate it. But I don't want to hate it. It just felt long and tedious and kind of torturous. Probably just me, but I really want to like it. Additional rewatches have not helped, as they did with Tangent which is now amongst my favourite. Well, I have to say that was an unexpected response, but I think I can understand the reasoning behind it. And yes, you do want to like the finale of a favoured series, but it's not always the case. Tim tweeted, This episode brings pain, and not in a good way. In the rage-inducing ten seasons for that? Well, another dissatisfied fan of the series finale. Again, it was in many ways anticlimactic, but written when they knew they had been cancelled but with a possible TV-DVD movie on the horizon. So I think the writers and producers may have got caught in the middle of wrapping things up and a stepping stone to a new project. Thanks for the responses to what was a throwaway tweet. Appreciate it, as is everyone who takes the time to interact on Twitter. It has been our success story with the podcast, with over 2,000 followers. On the birthday front this upcoming week, we see Richard Leacock will be celebrating his birth on the 17th. He played Colonel Brogan, in the episode Foothold, and a sergeant on the episode Bane. On the 18th, from the original movie, Eric Holland, who played Professor Langford, has his birthday. And also Ronald Patrick Thompson will be celebrating. He played Eamon Rennie, on the Stargate Universe episode Justice. Jason Gray Stanford has his birthday on the 19th of May, and he guest starred on the episode Past and Present as Honor. He may be more familiar from his seven years on Monk, as Randy Disher. Finally, on the 20th, it's the birthdays of Tameth Pennicott and John Billingsley. Tameth played the Replicator Third in the SG-1 episode Unnatural Selection, but is far better known for his starring roles on Battlestar and Dollhouse, with the recurring roles on Continuum, Supernatural and Strange Empire. John was wonderful as Dr. Simon Combs on the SG-1 episode The Other Guys, and rocked it as Dr. Flock on Enterprise, with great roles on True Blood, Intelligence and Masters of Sex. The poll for the favourite episode of Stargate Atlanta Season 3 is now closed, and depending upon when you listen, the wrap-up show will be recorded. The SU1 Season 10 favourite episode poll will be launched on the 17th of May, and run for about a week, and then we'll be recording its wrap-up show. And as always, feedback most welcome. If you do want to get in touch with us, then you can do so via the contact form on our website, which is gatecast.co.uk, or contact us via email using gatecastpodcast at gmail.com We are also on Facebook and Google Plus and we are carried on iTunes and Stitcher Internet Radio You'll find all the links on our website which includes the independent RSS feed which carries every episode we have released and that can be copied and manually added to a podcatcher The reason we have two feeds 
one on iTunes and one generic, if you will, is that the iTunes feed is limited to 25 entries, while the RSS, aka Mission Report feed, has everything and is a little bigger, as you would expect. Right then, let's wrap the show up. Okay then, thank you very much for joining us for the Stargate SG-1 finale unending. Next week, we'll be looking at the Stargate Atlanta Season 3 finale, First Strike. On the next Stargate Atlantis, the Apollo in consort with your team will launch a surgical strike on the replicator planet. The team prepares for war. You don't build that many ships to make a run in Atlantis. They're headed for Earth. Launch the horizon. But their mission of mass destruction. In the next few hours, you will fire the city's star drive and head into space. Atlantis is leaving this planet. Destroys Atlantis forever. Oh, what now? Next time on Stargate Atlantis. Okay then, until then, I've been Mike. I've been Alan. And this is Thomas. Take care everybody, bye bye. Bye bye. Bye. You've been listening to The Gatecast, hosted by Alan and Mike. Join us at gatecast.co.uk. Stargate forever. Stargate forever.